Hey, how you doing, Sherman? Uh, I don't know why my personal phone does this. <laughs> <I'm really> just... <laughs> uh, let's be good. Let's begin. Uh, decisions that took seconds to make cost us a combined twenty-two year, forty. Excuse me, forty-two years of our life. Welcome to Hope, helping other people elevate. My name is Ray Aguilar, your host, and I'm with a good friend of mine, Eric Sherman. Yeah, so um, we had a little, a few uh, technical difficulties, but that's not going to prevent us from going forward. So I'm glad for you to join us, uh, Sherman. And Thank I, you how are you doing today? Oh, man, you know, I had a little cold of, over the last couple of days. Kind of scared me a little bit. Of course, uh, you know, I'm always looking out for that COVID-19 thing. Oh, um, for real. You know, so as soon as I start coughing, I got a little, little concerned, but it turned out to be, just a cold, thank goodness. Yeah, yeah. You can't, you can't cough. You can't cough nowhere in public because you get all kinds of death stares, huh? Isn't that something? People look at you. I was in a. I was on a job once, and I was coughing. Uh, and this lady, I was in the laundry room, and this lady just stood across the laundry room, just staring at me. <laughs> Made you feel uncomfortable as I don't know what, huh? It did, man. It really did, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know everything. Like I said, everything turned out to be okay here. So Good. I'm, I'm glad, glad to hear glad it. Glad yeah, definitely glad to hear it. Oh, so, yeah. um, well, you, uh, Sherman will be one of the contributors to this podcast. Uh, we will be talking about various topics um, that have to do with incarceration and life outside of incarceration. Uh, so to introduce uh, Sherman to to you, uh, Sherman, tell us when you paroled and uh, what you're doing today. Well. I paroled on November 30th, 2018, after doing uh, 20 years and nine months in prison on a 25-to-life sentence. I am now a uh, service technician for a place called Wash Multifamily Laundry Systems. I, uh, I go from uh, different apartment buildings fixing uh, washing machines and dryers. Um, uh, it was, it was a, wasn't a skill that I learned in prison, but I learned how to use tools in prison, so it made learning the skill a lot easier. Mm, so, you um, were able to, so you were able to translate something from prison, right? Oh, absolutely. Nice. I, mean, I translate a lot of things from prison. And, uh, you know, I love my job. I have a company vehicle, uh, which is nice. I punch in from home, you know, and punch out at home, so that's nice. Yes. You know, so yeah, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm enjoying life right now. Nice, nice. Life is good. Life is good. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Oh, absolutely. Nothing like it, man. Nothing like <laughs> it. I'm telling. Especially you. after twenty, huh? Twenty years and nine months. Man, twenty years and nine months. Yeah. You got a renewed appreciation for a lot of stuff, even the simple things, huh? Oh man, you know, I, so you know, the size of one of my bathrooms is basically the size of my cell. It was the size, you know, the size yeah. of my cell was. Yeah. So just to be able to leave out of the restroom after taking a shower, and to be able to walk around the house is just wonderful. Yes, absolutely. I'm telling you. So, um, just so that the uh, listeners will have a deeper appreciation for who you are today, and and the, just the the work that you've put into rehabilitating yourself, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, Whatever you feel that's important for us to know uh, and going forward, anything that you feel would really shed light on um, the changes that you've made over the years. 
Okay. Uh, of course, you know, my name is Eric Sherman. I, I grew up in Oakland, California, uh, mostly in East and West Oakland. Uh, as a kid, uh, my mother was a drug addict. Um, uh, so we moved around a lot. We moved around an awful lot. And we moved, the places that we moved to, we moved to places where the other kids' mothers were, uh, uh, they were single, single parent. They lived in single parent homes with, you know, with, you know, just their mothers or their mothers and their boyfriends. And, and so my influences at a very young age with the men that were in my life were the influences of people that were living uh, a fast life. So my mother was a drug addict, didn't want to be like my mother. But there were men that were in our lives or, and around the neighborhood who were driving nice cars and and uh, who, you know, who, you know, had a lot of women and things like that. And that impressed me. That really impressed me because from a very young age, I knew that I wanted to have girls in my life. Um, I, I eventually wound up moving with my grandmother when I was about 10 years old because my mom, uh, she just really couldn't take care of me and my brother anymore. Uh, so I moved with my grandmother, and my grandmother showed me a different side of life. Uh, her and her husband, they lived in nice, a nice home. Uh, they worked every day. So uh, I, I did learn, you know, and I was, you know, I, I wound up, you know, going to school, uh, going, going and graduating from, uh, from, uh, from Oakland High School. And, you know, before I graduated, I got a job, had a girlfriend. So, um, so I, I learned a different side of life there. I learned to, to work every day, to, um, to, uh, you know, save a little money, you know, uh, things like that, dress nice. So that was a different side. So even, but even learning that, I still was impressed by, uh, people who drove nice cars and, 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 and had a lot of women around, you know, I, even, you know, while I was living with my grandmother, I, I met a young man who was, uh, who was actually a pimp in high school. And I, I thought he was just the coolest guy around. I really did. Um, so graduating from high school, uh, I wound up, you know, I had, you know, my, my girlfriend who later wound up being my son's mother. But um, I graduated from high school and she and I wound up moving into our own place. And when we moved to our own place, uh, things got a little rocky with our relationship. She was cheating on me. I was cheating on her. Uh, but her cheating on me devastated me. Never mind the fact that I've been cheating on her for a long time. It just devastated me. Um, and when that happened, she broke up with me for a while and she went out and she cheated some more. Of course, I was sleeping with other people. And uh, when I found out that she was sleeping around, I couldn't I couldn't take it. I didn't I didn't want I didn't I didn't want to accept the fact that these things had happened and I was a large con uh, contributor to what was going on as far as her leaving me and cheating. So because of that, I wanted to numb the pain. I wanted to numb the pain and, and just, uh, uh, just forget about it. 
So I started using drugs. I started using drugs, but I also started uh, 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 using women and, and having women go out and make money for me to use drugs. Uh, this happened for probably about a year. And me and my son's mother, we find, finally wound up completely breaking up. I used drugs for uh, from 1987 to January the 26th of 1989. Uh, I, I, I got married. I married a, a, another woman, you know, things, uh, a, a woman that was a lot older than me. I may be going a little bit fast, but I'm just trying to just, just kind of cover the bases. Uh, I married a woman that was a lot older than me, and uh, she and I used drugs together. But finally, we stopped using. But once we stopped using drugs, we really found that we had nothing in common. And so we wound up breaking up. And I met another woman who uh, who was, uh, she was a lot older than me, but she, at the time, I thought that was the best thing for me. We, uh, we wound up running an escort service together. And when we wound up running the escorts to get together, uh, I had all these girls around me and finally I thought I've made it. I've made it. I've got all these women around me. This is the person that I wanted to be. Um, I was uh, not using drugs anymore. But uh, I was sleeping with the escorts behind my girlfriend's back. And uh, it was really getting to her. She knew, but she didn't want to accept it. Uh, we wound up uh, meeting uh, a, a young woman by the name of Sadi. And Sadi was... Uh, Japanese and black, very pretty girl. And uh, she was, uh, she was somebody that you would, if you know, a young man my age would really want to impress. Uh, Sadi stayed with us maybe about a year and then she, she left. She wound up uh, getting with another guy. And to make a long story short, Sadi wound up becoming my co-defendant. You know, I'll get deeper as as time goes on. I'll get deeper into the story. Absolutely. But but uh, Sadi became wound up becoming my co-defendant. Uh, she um, she had a boyfriend. She wanted killed, and I participated in the murder uh, because I wanted to. I wanted to impress her. I she was. I, I I had always wanted to show you know, any woman that would come around that I thought was beautiful. I, I wanted to show them that I was capable of, of providing anything, no matter what it was. And so I wanted to be this person that they could depend on to do anything, if it, even if it was stupid. Uh, I wound up helping her to commit this murder. And I was uh, we both got charged with, uh, I got charged with first degree murder and um, and a special circumstance of murder for financial gain. 
uh, she was charged just with first degree murder. Uh, I fought the case. I fought the, the, the death penalty case for two years. And finally, uh, the death penalty case was dropped. But I still wound up being convicted of 25 years to life. So what I, what I was doing, even though I learned years ago to get away from the lifestyle that impressed me when I was a kid, I brought that lifestyle back into my life. And it cost me 20 years and nine months of my life. Uh, but when I got to prison, I was determined to become not to, I was determined to become a better man than I was when I got to prison. Now, I know that I said that that was what I was going to do, but I didn't understand what that meant. I had no idea what that meant or how I was going to become better. I thought by exercising and taking care of my body and things like that, I thought that uh, I thought that that was going to make me better. I had no idea that I had to I had to change my thought pattern because one of the reasons that I I I was still impressed by this lifestyle that I was impressed by as a young man was because when I started using drugs, I never got any help or any treatment for that drug use. Well, I, I did, but I ignored it. And uh, I didn't really understand recovery at the time. So because of, because of that, that fact, and I never really, I never really sought help. I brought all of that thought pattern to my, my life without drugs. So I was, I was still thinking like a drug addict. I just wasn't using drugs. And um, when I went to prison, it was still, those thought patterns were still going on. I, I just thought that because I wasn't using drugs when I got arrested, I thought that the men that I was in there with, I was a little bit better than them because I had a job, you know, I, I, I had, a, had a home before I left. So I, I thought, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit better than these guys because these guys, see, a lot of them were using drugs when they got, they got arrested and, and uh, or they were, you know, alcoholics, or things like that. I wasn't doing those things. So I'm a little bit better. Um, the truth is, is that I was exactly the same. And once I once once I took the the dark glasses off and I looked around and I saw that we were all wearing the same thing, we all had arrived at the same place. I saw that I was no better than anybody in there. As a matter of fact, there were men in there that were much smarter than I was, much much smarter, who had achieved a whole lot more because of the changes that they that they had made in their lives. Uh, I didn't know what those changes were, but when I found out what those changes were, how recovery had impacted those men, I, when I sought recovery, I sought recovery believing that, uh, that I wouldn't, it wouldn't change me. I just, I was just going to work the 12 steps and I was going to be done with it. I just wanted to show people that working these 12 steps would have nothing to do with changing you, that you had to just mentally want to change. But what I came to find out was working the 12 steps was not just a one-time process. It was a lifetime process. 
And it was working those 12 steps that ultimately freed me. That is how I got out of prison at my very first board of prison, uh, appearance. Yeah, because that, just to, to kind of weigh in right, right here, um, it's not too often where you hear about someone being found suitable on their initial board hearing. It's actually, I mean, it was, uh, you know, common to hear guys, they've been to the board at least multiple times. Oh, five or six. Five or six. And when we're talking about five or six, we're talking about, you know, um, three-year denials at a time. So yeah. an accumulation yeah. of 10 additional years on top of their their prison sentence. Uh, yeah. Basically like a whole nother sentence. But absolutely. But because the, the board rec- seeing the amount, the extensive work that you've done and how much you've changed, um, they, they, they not only validated what you had done, but also seeing that you were um, deemed uh, no longer a threat to society, correct? Absolutely, absolutely. And when, when we say men being denied, I mean, we're, we're talking, about, talking about gang members and things like that, people that are committing uh, lots of offenses, but we're also talking about not just them, we're talking about people who, like, I've seen doctors denied, police officers, denied people that that were in that field that wound up having life sentences that were denied because they didn't really understand recovery they didn't take the time to understand recovery you know they they went in and these men were men that hadn't received multiple uh multiple 115s it was nothing like that they just didn't understand recovery and uh, you know i have to i have to come in so it's not enough of just being disciplinary free not absolutely. getting any, not getting any trouble. There was there absolutely. was a lot more work that went into it as well. Absolutely not. I I I received one one fifteen, but I I I remember uh, Ray and I helped a young man who had multiple one fifteens, multiple one fifteens, and and they were uh, a few of them were gang related, and uh, and I hope to have him on 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 this podcast one day, Elias. Yeah, uh, they were uh, mo- uh, they were a few of them were gang related, and Elias because of the fact that that Elias understood recovery, he was found suitable at his initial hearing, which was extremely rare because he not only uh, was a gang member but he also had gang related uh, crimes while in prison. While in prison, uh, 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 quite a few of his crimes were gang uh, gang related while in prison right and 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 not only that but uh uh he had confidentials that he was uh that he didn't he because of the fact that he owned up to his confidentials he uh they i mean there was just really nothing that could be done as far as the board was concerned see what what a lot of people don't understand as far as the board is concerned is that we're not only going in there to take responsibility, but we're creating a record also. And that record, uh, what's on that record, that board has to stick to. And that's what a lot of people didn't understand going in there. That's something you and I did understand. We understood it well. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. 
definitely things that we hope to get into a lot more in depth to clarify for families and and men as well um because there's it is a very complicated process there's a lot that goes into preparing for the board um man it's you know if, if it doesn't consume all your time and energy man there wasn't really much time to do anything else i mean yeah we got an occasional occasional uh, exercise here and there but you know we did this day in and day night day, day, you, had in and day. Huh. you had to be obsessed i'm sorry i'm sorry to cut you off i'm sorry no absolutely yeah you're right that was that's a good word we had to be obsessed yeah. with it you had to be obsessed and and that, that was something i know you know ray and i you know I, if you don't mind ray me talking about us for a minute we had we didn't we didn't know each other for a very long time, but we felt like lifetime friends. And one of the commonalities that Ray and I had was uh, that we were obsessed with this process. We were really, really obsessed with this process. I mean, we talked about this process <clears throat> every chance we met. Every chance we met. And then it got to a point where, you know, uh, that we were helping people. I mean, anytime we, we, we were on the yard, we were helping people. You know, I, I mean, we couldn't, we couldn't walk the yard without uh, somebody asking us about this process. Now, mind you, Ray and I had never been to the board. We'd never been to the board. But we understood the process well, well enough for men who had been to the board many times to come to us and ask. And I'm, I'm not patting us, our, us on the back. I'm just saying that this is where you had to be in your head when getting ready to go to the board. Uh, but many men who had never been to the board would come to us and say, okay, what am I doing wrong? You know, what it, am I doing wrong? As you're, as you're sharing, you know, something comes to mind that kind of um, was just counterintuitive. I, I remember guys actually hiring attorneys and their yeah. attorneys were advising them not to do certain things. And then they would come to us and be like, well, what do you think? And I was like, no, man, if you do yep. that, that will be detrimental. It will cast a shadow over everything that you've said and done up until this point. Wow. And unfortunately, you know, they, they, they took heed to our advice and they were found suitable, but you know, at the very um, count, you know, against the very counsel of their own attorneys, you know, and these are people yeah. that they paid for. You know, yeah. they didn't pay to yeah. um, get advice from us. They paid for these attorneys, and these attorneys were steering them wrong, which was isn't that something else, right? Crazy, yes. Isn't that something? I, I remember that. I remember these attorneys would steer them wrong, and, and so I have to ask myself: Were they doing this on purpose? And I, I remember asking you this. I remember saying, Ray, are they doing this on purpose? Are they doing this because they just don't know? And I remember you saying. Sherman, I I think they just don't really know. Yeah, and you know what? And, 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 and truth be told, for years no one was getting out. But the thing yeah. that we were doing that was um, very beneficial for us and 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 gave us, you know, uh, a peer be allowed us to peer behind the veil was to really analyze and, and, and talk to the guys who were being found suitable. So yeah, we yeah. got an idea. Okay, so this is okay. This is what they're, and it's not like we were just, you know, um, just giving a good showing and, and we were found suitable. No, you know, a person that comes to mind was Gary Massey. 
Yeah. Gary Massey, yeah. at one point, he had life without. He got commuted. They gave him 25 to life. Uh, something happened with the law. They changed. And so um, he ended up getting 25 to life. He went to the uh, board, and the board denied him. But they told him. Yeah. They specifically told him here. Because they asked him uh, uh, poignant questions, really direct questions, and he couldn't answer them. All he sat yeah. there in the board was saying is that I was just a terrible person. I was just a terrible person. And they're like, yeah, we get that. But why were you a terrible person? Yeah. And so yeah. Um, they ordered him to come back in, in three years. But because he had an advanced hearing, he went back in a year. But they specifically told him, go find somebody on the yard to explain these things to you so yes. that you have a better understanding. Yes. Now, in a year, Gary didn't change much. He was still the same person that he had that had already changed. He just mm -hmm. needed to learn the language, what they were looking okay. for, the legal jargon, if you will, to really yep. validate his change. He was still the same person that went there a year before. Yep. And so yep. he went, we, we sat with him, we, 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 we talked, we got him to understand um, different things. And then what? He went to the board and he got found suitable. And, and, yep. that's, and that's the thing that is just so mind boggling about the whole process is that you know, he he struggled. Remember, he struggled with the comprehension. I mean, he was mm -hmm. changed. There was no doubt in my mind that that man would not commit a violent act. Mm -hmm. But he mm -hmm. just needed to present a certain way, a way that was sufficient to the board. And his behavior had already lined up with what they expected. It was just his presentation. That's it. That, and, you know, the, the funny thing about that, I, I could... I can remember um, he what what it was was it, because Ray. I mean, excuse me, Gary was also in recovery. Yes. And he, but he didn't he didn't understand how to uh, how to bring that recovery forth in the board. I, I, I you know, I, I can remember talking to several people who would say to me. Uh, they would say to me, well, Sherman, you know, the board often asks me to say the 12 steps while I'm in there. And I would say, if they're asking you to say the 12 steps in there, then you have failed. You failed. Because if they're asking you to say the 12 steps, they're saying that you're not displaying recovery. You should wear your recovery in board like it's a new jacket. I mean, it should come across so clearly to them that you understand the 12 steps without you having to say one step. You shouldn't have to say one, right? When And so what Gary came to understand, we did, I, I'm pretty sure uh, you and I did a quick fit. Yeah, we did, because I, I did a fifth step with him, or you did a fifth step, but we, I, we asked the other person, is it okay Gary, we asked Gary if it was okay if the other person stayed with the fifth step. Do you remember that? Yes, I do. And so what we did was we took him to through his fifth step. And Gary learned very quickly who he was during uh during that, that time that he committed that murder. And when he went in and the board asked him who he was, instead of saying I was a terrible person. Gary began to explain to him exactly who he was. I was selfish and greedy. And I'd been that way for a very long time. You know, I, he was able to explain it to him 
without and the, and the thing is is that when it comes to the legal jargon that the board's looking for they're not looking for anything that they're not looking for uh things that uh, 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 an attorney would say that's not what they're looking for they're looking for and they're looking for you to explain it in very simple answers but they want to know specifically who you were right yeah. um i can I, I can recall a young man once uh that uh the board asked him uh why he commit why he ran away from home and he said uh he said I ran away from home because my father was extremely strict. And when he would punish us, he was very abusive, right? And he got denied. After I'd worked with him, when he went back, he said, uh, he asked, the board asked him why he, why he ran away. He said, I ran away because I didn't want to follow, follow the rules in my house. My father had he had rules and I deemed them strict strict at the time but had I followed the rules that he was asking me to follow while I was in his house I wouldn't have committed the crime that I committed and that's when they let him go taking responsibility taking responsibility yes taking responsibility at every turn but you know in you saying that, that that definitely takes requires excuse me uh, a level of maturity and, and really um, just being insightful as to, you know, um, choices and decisions that we've made and what we could have done differently. You know, yes. and a person has to be, you know, clear minded, has to be sober so that they can actually have that clarity. Because yeah. you know, it's been my experience when someone is still, you know, trying to hold on to that lifestyle or maybe even still using it's almost like they're unable to reach that level of understanding exactly exactly so you know it, just, it does require uh recovery it does require a level of maturity to, it to, does to acknowledge that and you know just speaking on the the word insight you know i i was able to really really just because people would say insight insight what do they mean by insight, right? And, you know, when, when I look at it today, you know, understanding recovery, it, uh, it's, very, it's really very simple when you think about it. It's, it's just to see inside. Who were you? That's a, that's a question of insight, right? Because there's, there's basically, there were, what I learned is, was that there were three questions, three types of questions that the board would ask. So they would ask questions of insight, questions of empathy, and questions of um, uh, that just, you know, just random questions that you could just, you know, just talk through. Now, you know, like a, like a random question would be, so, you know, so you were born in Oakland, California. Yes, and that, that's a question that you just kind of, you know, just kind of talk until they tell you, okay, that's enough, right? You know, yeah, I was born in Oakland, California, West Oakland. I graduated from Oakland, uh, things like that. But questions of empathy were more like, so how do you feel about the crime you committed today? What do you think the family go went through? Those are questions of empathy and questions of insight were questions like, uh, so why? Why did you steal? Why did you, why did you, why did, why didn't you listen when your mother said, don't go over that girl's house? 
those are those are questions of insight. And once you understand, once once I was able to really break those three different questions down, the, the going through the hearing was it, it it there was nothing hard about it. You know, I mean, it was hard emotionally, but to answering the questions was just it was natural. It was really natural. Yes. Thank you for that, Sherman. We're definitely going to get a lot more into detail about the board and, and the process and key terms. I know a lot of this is, you know, it could be overwhelming for listeners, you know, families who don't really understand the process, what a person has to do, the understanding that they need to come to in order to really uh, present before the board, but we definitely uh, plan on t- covering a lot of this because it's relevant. It's relevant to this podcast. It's relevant for the listeners. And so um, thank you, Sherman, for, for sharing, telling, uh, taking us through um, just your journey of recovery and, and sharing with us uh, some of the um, intimate details of your past. So with some concluding thoughts, what would you like your listeners to know in regards to you and and just in going forward? Um, I'd like for them to uh, know that um, I'd like to be as much help as I can. Um, know that, know that. listen, if, if I could do it, anyone can do it. And I so look forward to working with you again, right? I really do. Absolutely, me too. Likewise. Yes. So thank you. Thank yeah. you for joining us. Um, listeners, we thank you for joining us and, and supporting our efforts to bring awareness to incarceration and life after incarceration. Till next time. Yeah. All right.